Who is Shane Waldron? I'm going to let the new Chicago Bears offensive coordinator tell you himself, along with some help from players and coaches he's worked with. This is a different kind of Locked on Bears podcast, where I'm just here to help them tell his story. You are Locked on Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can find Locked On Bears on all of your favorite social media platforms, including the Locked On Bears YouTube channel, where you can keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's an extra $150 if your bet wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. On the show today, we're going on a journey together to get to know Shane Waldron. Since the Chicago Bears announced his hire last month, we've heard plenty of outside perspectives from analysts and media that cover the Seattle Seahawks. But today, I want to go inside Waldron's offense and learn more about him from the people closest to him. Along the way, we'll learn how Sean McVay helped shape Waldron's offense in Seattle. Shane's putting his own spin on it, but there's some elements of some things that would look familiar to you guys We'll learn how Waldron helped resurrect the career of Geno Smith. When you know Shane says something to Geno, he's not doubting it. He's just going with it. We'll find out why Pete Carroll called Waldron out and demanded better from his offensive coordinator. We got to make sure that we're maximizing that. I feel like we're not. And by the end, you'll understand why Waldron is exactly what Matt Eberflus was looking for in his next offensive coordinator. You know, you have to be able to have uh, the innovation. The Seattle Seahawks hired Shane Waldron in 2021 to replace Brian Schottenheimer, who had led a top 10 scoring offense in Seattle over the last three seasons and helped them hit double-digit wins and make the playoffs in each of those three years. They were big shoes to fill, but because of some philosophical differences with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, the Seahawks needed a new voice to lead their offense. In comes one of Sean McVay's brightest young assistants from the Los Angeles Rams, Shane Waldron knew he didn't need to come in and overhaul the entire offense in Seattle, but he had to make it his own and stick to what he knew worked in L.A. You know, just I have a, a core set of beliefs that I'm going to stick to, uh, but we're going to build this thing together. And I think that, you know, the one thing with with uh, Russell and with the rest of the, the players that are on this team, you know, they, they have a great foundation and have won a lot of football games together. So. There, there, will there be parts of stuff that carries over? Absolutely, because there's, there's been some great things that they've done in the past. But for me, I'm, I'm really more worried about 2021. And, you know, there's a lot of things in the past that, that we all learn from, and I think we grow from those experiences. But really everything moving forward is going to be all about, about this year and how this group of players fits together, how this group of co uh, coaches fit together, and, and how we can attack that with that competitive mindset. So as Waldron takes over as the Chicago Bears offensive coordinator, you can expect a similar approach. 
the Bears were one of the best rushing teams in the NFL over the last two seasons. Waldron can't ignore that. He's going to carry over some of the things that worked well for Khalil Herbert, for Cole Komet, for DJ Moore, but you can be sure it'll be a different looking offense this year than it was under Luke Getze. But it'll also look different than what the offense looked like in Seattle last year. Because at the core of Shane Waldron's offense, it's more about the players than the plays. You know, our offensive philosophy, we're going to be a balanced offense that's going to have that ability to, to create explosive plays with that attacking mindset. You know, we want to be the one that the foot's on the gas pedal. Uh, we're going. And I know, I'm um, sure some of these questions will come up, the tempo and all that different stuff. Well, hey, there's going to be a wide variety of, of, of pieces to this offense, but that mindset is never going to change. And how we get to that is really going to be all based on the players because any of these, uh, any of these core beliefs really don't get off the ground without them. And so, you know, uh, I'll have this, this system of beliefs that we're going to walk in the door with. We're going to build it around that. And then the players are going to make that system come to life. And, and what the final product's going to look like, you know, that's not going to be determined until that, that opening game where, hey, these are the guys and, and this is how the puzzle pieces fit together. And shoot, there's a lot of guys that I'm excited to get to work with. Shane Waldron's system is most prominently shaped by Sean McVay. Keep in mind, Waldron also coached under Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels on the New England Patriots. And he did spend some time in various college offenses in between. But it's clear Waldron made the strongest impression on the Rams head coach. The two worked together for only one year in Washington before McVeigh was hired away to LA, but Waldron impressed him enough there as an offensive quality control coach to get the promotion to tight ends coach for the Rams. Then passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach. McVeigh even let Waldron call plays occasionally. But Shane doesn't just run a carbon copy of McVeigh's offense. Sean himself saw the differences in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we've done has always been a collaboration. You know, it's not exclusive to me. You know, so Shane and I uh, and our and the rest of our coaching staff have kind of, uh, you know, put it together for what the Rams offense looks like. He certainly has his own spin on things in Seattle where uh, you can see, you know, he's got a long history dating back to his time in New England. You know, when he was at Notre Dame, he's had a lot of great experiences prior to even us connecting together in Washington and then being here for the four years in, uh, in LA. So he's doing a nice job marrying the run in the past. Um, you can see they've gotten some good play action shots going. They've done a nice job of being able to get Metcalf and Lockett involved in a variety of ways, but he's also like any good coach does let's tailor the system to our player skill sets and always starts with Russell. I think he's doing a nice job and Russell's obviously made some outstanding plays, but getting Lockett, Metcalf, those guys involved. Swain's made his plays. And then you can see Carson is a dynamic playmaker. And, you know, when, uh, you know, prior to last week when he was missing, you know, Gerald had done some good things, as has Disley. So they've got a lot of playmakers. But I think it's uh, it's Shane's putting his own spin on it. But there's some elements of some things that would look familiar to you guys. Um, but it's, it's certainly, uh, you know, it's the Seahawks offense for sure. And, and he's done a nice job through the first four weeks without a doubt. So what does the Shane Waldron version of the Sean McVay offense look like? It follows a lot of the core tenets of McVay's systems, you know, creative matchups and formations, pre-snap motion to get better leverage for their players. It's really about making everything look the same to the defense so that they're left guessing what the offense is going to do. A big part of that is the tempo. Waldron really likes to get his offense up to the line of scrimmage quickly so he can see how the defense responds. 
Then he gives his quarterback options at the line of scrimmage, so he has answers to what the defense gives him. That's a big part of what attracted Russell Wilson to Waldron's offense, that's for sure. Under Brian Schottenheimer, Wilson says he felt limited, and that relationship certainly soured. But Waldron came in as a breath of fresh air. You know, the, the, the extension of, of me and Shane, is, you know, really, as you guys probably saw some today early on, is just the ability for him to call something and then me to be at the line of scrimmage and go to something else if it's not the right look and this and that and just be able to play super fast in that way and get us to the best play and best situation. And there are several examples in, the, in today, um, you know, and so I just think that that's, that's a really good thing. And we're, we have, we're on the same wavelength on that sense. I think that we've, I've always been able to change the play for the most part, you know, along my, my career. I think, you know, Shadi allowed me to call the plays and stuff like that, the line of scrimmage when we needed to. I think the emphasis of being able to do it all the time, you know, all throughout the game, you know, is the key. I think that's a little bit different, you know, in that sense. But, um, you know, I, I think that I have freedom, obviously, you know, for sure. Uh, I think the fun part is we have just so, so much that we can do and so many reasonings and so, so many whys to it. Uh, I think this is what's really been really exceptional. Um, and uh, really transferring that to just, you know, making our plays and just getting their guys in the best situation to be successful. Russell Wilson and Shane Waldron only worked together for one year before Wilson was traded to the Denver Broncos. And honestly, it wasn't a stellar year for Wilson or the Seahawks. But Waldron's best work came in year two when he helped turn around the career of a quarterback everyone else had given up on. Coming up next, we'll hear the story of Geno Smith and what Shane Waldron did to unlock his full potential. This episode of Locked On Bears is brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. DoorDash went all out for the big game on Sunday and DoorDashed stuff from every single ad to one lucky winner. We're talking cars, snacks, even tax software. They had that long promo code you had to enter in the contest to win from DoorDash. It was a lot of fun. And you know, even if you weren't the winner of all the big stuff, DoorDash is still able to bring all of your everyday needs right to your home and deliver goodies just for you, from restaurants and groceries to flowers and gifts. So the next time you're running low on dinner ideas, pet supplies, or just time, you can get so much more than you realize delivered. Whatever watch party or anything party you've got coming up, get it delivered with DoorDash. Football season may be over, but we're in the thick of basketball games, the school year, and let's face it, winter. I can think of a million reasons every day to order DoorDash. So hop on the app and make your day a little easier. Get dinner for tonight, groceries for the week, or maybe a consolation prize for your sad 49ers fan friends all on DoorDash. DoorDash, your door to more. Head to the DoorDash app, to get everything you need delivered. It's no secret Shane Waldron rose to prominence for the work he did with Geno Smith. Waldron was the guy who got 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns out of a quarterback who looked destined to finish his career as a journeyman backup, making near league minimum. But when they started working together in 2022, Geno Smith led the league in completion percentage, he made his first Pro Bowl, and he really looked like the quarterback the New York Jets thought they were getting with a second-round pick back in 2013. He came a long way from flaming out in New York as an NFL draft bust, bouncing around the league before quietly landing with the Seahawks to compete with Paxton Lynch to be the number two quarterback behind Russell Wilson. But one day, his patience pays off, Wilson forces his way out of Seattle, and in comes Drew Locke, and all of a sudden, it's an open competition for the starting quarterback job. 
Geno Smith emerges as QB1. He beats the Denver Broncos in week one, and he delivered that famous quote after that win. They wrote me off. I didn't write back. But Shane Waldron wrote back. And that's really the key here. The key to unlocking Geno Smith. It started with belief and trust. Waldron believed in Geno Smith when seemingly every other team didn't. And he got Geno to believe in him and the offense. Then it was about putting Geno in position to succeed on the field. Remember the tempo and control that Russell Wilson talked about earlier? Waldron made Smith get to the line of scrimmage quickly because the offensive coordinator can keep talking to the quarterback on the headset up until the 15-second mark on the play clock. So they could communicate what they were seeing from the defense and help Geno find all the right answers from the sideline. Pete Carroll saw all this come together. He was the one who first believed in Smith and paired him with Shane Waldron so that the two of them could get the best out of each other. Putting it together with Shane's communication, Shane, he's getting everything he can get out of Shane. They're, they're, that's, a, that's a really important part of it. Shane helps him all the way through to the, you know, to the 15 second point uh, because they're not helping. They're just communicating to get it done. And there's this conversation that goes on. And so they work it out and Gino's taking advantage of all of that. Um, if you notice, Gino's going off the, off the wristband, you know, and that's, that's a big help. It's, it's, it's smoothed things out, sped things up, um, clean things up. And, and that's, that's part of it too. And, and, you know, we, we never did that before. Um, there was resistance to that, so we didn't do that before. But this, all of those elements together, and then let's go back to the trust word again. When, when you know, Shane says something to Gino, he's not doubting it. He's just going with it. And so there's a real immediate flow, and that accelerates all the process. So I was thinking about it yesterday as, as we had been through all these games so far, and Gino, I mean, it's crazy, and the clock's going at 7, 6, five and he's still working it out he's taking advantage of all the time and he's now he's communicating to everybody we're getting back and that ball gets snapped and we get it done uh, he's really good at it and it was it was a good crowd again yesterday and it was loud and hard and all that and uh he's he's functioning really comfortably uh, regardless of what the circumstances are the partnership with shane waldron helped geno smith win comeback player of the year in 2022 he almost looked like a different quarterback the seattle seahawks had lucked into their quarterback solution in the post russell wilson era he was their Cinderella story, and everyone's dreams had come true. But they didn't live happily ever after. Geno Smith didn't turn back into a pumpkin in 2023, but it felt like the rest of the NFL started to catch up. Defenses now had a full season of tape on the Geno Smith version of Shane Waldron's offense, and their production started to come back down to earth. They had fewer big plays, less consistency, and it became a problem for Pete Carroll. He publicly called out his offense and said plainly that they needed to run the ball more. He didn't put the blame solely on his offensive coordinator, but Carroll's comments really pointed to disconnects with the OC throughout the offensive struggles in 2023. I want to make sure that we're maximizing the, the personalities, you know, to, and make sure that we're using our guys as well as we can use them. And um, that's that's a, a focus for us. Make sure that we're we're choosing the best routes for the for the guys that they we have unique talents and we got to make sure that we're maximizing that I feel like we're not I feel like we're not seeing stuff you saw uh, the playmaking uh, of, of Jackson again last night you know and, and he continues to show stuff that's that, that separates him from others and we just need to give him more chances um, we've got guys that, you know and 
different areas of our game that can do stuff, I think, better. Our tight ends could be used better than we've used them in the last couple of weeks. And so we need to get that going again. And um, we have some real positives. We just got to make them come to life. The Seahawks started the season five and two, but they went on to lose five of their next six games, including four in a row. The offense needed to find balance. They had uncharacteristic turnovers. They really lacked an identity. The young offensive coordinator had to look himself in the mirror and reflect on some of those core coaching philosophies he came in with. After all, it's about the players, right? The problem was the players were hurt. The offensive line was banged up. The lineup constantly in flux. Geno Smith was in and out of the lineup. The running backs were down. So was Waldron's scheme and play calling the problem? Or was it the players struggling to execute them? In terms of that, like the number of runs per game is always going to be uh, uh, predicated upon, you know, how the drives go, how everything's going. And so we know in a perfect scenario, especially if you're in the lead in the game where you get a chance to get more runs going in the fourth quarter, uh, there's also chances throughout the course of the game in those first, second down scenarios, and then mixing and matching them in the uh, in, in some of the situational football right there. And so for us, you know, again, it'll always be about being efficient on first and second down. And, and the more times we can do that and the more that we can execute on third down, you know, the more balanced our final numbers in the run game each week will be and I think this week uh, this past week was indicative of, a, of some struggles on third down you know where you get behind the behind the chains and, and then late in the game when you're down a couple scores uh, throwing those numbers off so we're always going to be striving for that balance and and really coming back to that execution on first and second down and playing consistent football for four quarters after that four game losing streak the Seattle Seahawks buckled down Waldron adjusted they got back to fundamentals you know, they took better care of the football. They also got healthier. And over the final four games of the season, the Seahawks orchestrated three separate fourth quarter game-winning comeback drives. The offense wasn't totally fixed, but Waldron found ways to get it done. He's a young offensive coordinator. He's, he's still learning. He's still growing. And he's not married to doing things a certain way. You know, it's not his way or the highway. You can really see that in his approach to creativity innovation, and specifically, analytics. He's an aggressive offensive coordinator, for sure. He's a pass-first guy. He knows what the numbers say. But Waldron is also smart enough to balance that with some of the core football concepts that'll always be successful. You know, like anything, this, this game's always evolving, right? And it's, you always have to have that ability as a coach to adapt to, to new, new technologies, new ways of looking at things, and always approaching that with an open mind. And, and my philosophy with the analytical approach is that I think there's some great things that have really opened up uh, our eyes as coaches as to, to what some approaches can be in, in different scenarios. But I also think there is, at, at the, uh, in certain scenarios within the game, there's that great balance of what do the analytics uh, potentially tell you to do in that situation versus also what's the feel in the game and what are the variables that have changed uh, from a personnel standpoint within the game that, that might lead you to some different decisions, whether it's a, uh, a, a chance on fourth down to go for it. You know, uh, to me, I don't, I just think there's always a collaboration on those decisions. And I love using the analytics as the starting point and then be able to make smart, sound decisions based on the flow of a football game. It's that balance between old school and new school that endears someone like Shane Waldron to both older coaches like Pete Carroll and younger coaches like Sean McVay. He can be the free-thinking innovator under a McVay, and he can respect the traditional ways of doing things under a coach like Carroll. That's what put him over the top for someone like Matt Eberflus in Chicago, and it's a big part of why Waldron is here. 
Up next, we'll hear from the Bears head coach about what they're looking for from their offensive coordinator and how Shane Waldron fits that. This episode of Locked On Bears is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. Just because the football season is over doesn't mean the fun stops at FanDuel because right now, new customers will get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. It's $150 added to your account on top of your winnings if that $5 bet hits. So basketball season, well underway. Baseball right around the corner. You've got hockey going on right now. Soccer, tennis, boxing, you name it. They've got it all at FanDuel, including NFL draft prop bets coming up, free agency bets right around the corner as well. So now's a great time to get on the action and claim your $150 in bonus bucks. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL and NBA. The Chicago Bears hired Shane Waldron to replace Luke Getze, who technically is connected to the Sean McVay coaching tree via Matt LaFleur. Getze obviously had a more varied coaching background before working with LaFleur, but he still tried to run that same style of offense in Chicago. So Shane Waldron comes here not to completely revamp the whole Bears offense and install something completely brand new. For Matt Eberflus, it's about getting more out of what the Chicago Bears already have and what they're still going to add this offseason. You know, obviously you want to have somebody that's a great teacher. You know, uh, I think that's important because, you know, he has to coach the coaches to coach the position. And I think that's the number one trait of any great coach. Um, you know, you have to be able to have uh, the innovation, you know, to, to really look at um, the players that you have and be able to help enhance and put those guys in position to succeed uh, and to get explosives and to move the ball down the field. So um, that right there, I think, is the most important thing. Uh, the, the teacher part of it and then the innovation part of it and the creativity, I think, is going to be the biggest part. Clearly, Luke Getze wasn't cutting it. Matt Eberflutes wants someone to be more of a teacher and more of an innovator. The Luke Getze offense got too stale. It really didn't feel well-designed. Too often, you know, you had receivers running the wrong routes or running them to the same place of the field or running them somewhere that the quarterback just wasn't expecting. At its worst, you may recall, you had an undersized slot receiver trying to block a humongous edge rusher in week 18 against your biggest rival on the front side of a running play. Like, it's not exactly innovation if it doesn't work on Sundays. Like, it doesn't count if it only works on paper. Shane Waldron had the opportunity to work through that while with Sean McVay and on his own in Seattle to really push back on conventional wisdom and apply new ways of attacking defenses. One man who saw that firsthand was Dave Canales. You might know him now as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, but before he was even an offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he was the quarterback's coach for the Seattle Seahawks with Geno Smith under Shane Waldron. Canales saw how Waldron was able to take that McVay philosophy and freedom and apply that innovation in Seattle. And then Shane Waldron came in and he came from a system of young offensive head coaches who really didn't have to answer to anybody. So that's where you had the think tank, the R&D, right? And they could do or try anything. Um, and then instead of leaning on the, uh, this is just the way that it's always been done. Um, he said, well, that's no longer acceptable. What's the smartest way to do this? Uh, what's the fastest way to do this? Um, how do we set this up with this type of tempo? 
And that's where a lot of the study across the league, across college, um, really started to come in um, and really make sense as an offense there. Um, and while we've been in Seattle for the last two years, that's where Shane um, and the staff, we were able to really employ a lot of different offensive personnels to the same principles, um, to the same system that's being used across the league. And it's why a lot of, a lot of us, um, counting myself in that now as coordinators and head coaches have been um, coveted across the league to be able to bring that system in there. Waldron's innovation and creativity was easy to see in Seattle. It's a big reason for Geno Smith's success. Waldron's not perfect, and he's not right 100% of the time. But this is the kind of innovation that Matt Eberflus was talking about. And we know Shane Waldron will need to be innovative in Chicago, whether he's building an offense around Justin Fields and his unique skill set, or developing a rookie number one overall pick quarterback like Caleb Williams. That's really going to be the biggest part of what Matt Eberflus needs out of his offensive coordinator, how he handles the quarterback position, regardless of who's actually under center. The offensive coordinator and really any good coach knows how to uh, adjust and adapt to uh, the play caller or the signal or the quarterback uh, because uh, you have injury, right? You have changes. You have, and you see it during the course of the year. How many backups played this year? You got to adjust uh, your scheme to fit the quarterback, you know, and the skill set that you have available to you be that quarterback or receiver or tight end. And the adaptability to be able to do that during the course of a season is huge. Um, you know, so that, that would be the thing. In Seattle, Shane Waldron first built an offense around an athletic Super Bowl champion in Russell Wilson. Then he gets a cast off in Geno Smith and builds him up to be a 4,000-yard Pro Bowl quarterback. And then he did it again, albeit on a smaller scale, with another so-called reject quarterback. Now, if they wrote off Geno Smith, then they closed the book on Drew Locke, cast off by the Denver Broncos, then lost the competition in Seattle. The guy that lost to Geno Smith. I mean, how much lower could you get? No one wanted Geno Smith, and you couldn't even beat that guy? I mean, that's where the perception was for Drew Locke this season. But Locke didn't give up. He didn't quit. He got to work and he waited for his opportunity, just like Gino did. And when Smith got hurt, right at the end of that four-game losing streak we talked about earlier, it was finally Drew Locke's turn. The problem was a desperate, hungry Philadelphia Eagles team was coming to town, looking to feast on a quarterback like Drew Locke on Monday Night Football. The Seahawks, they didn't lead for the entire game until Drew Locke got the ball back with a minute and 53 seconds left on the clock in the fourth quarter. Down four, one timeout left. Drew Locke leads the Seahawks on a 92-yard game-winning comeback drive, capped off by a 29-yard touchdown pass to rookie wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba in the corner of the end zone. It was a masterpiece. It was a great game by Drew Locke. One of the most inspiring stories from the 2023 season. And Locke gave a lot of the credit for that touchdown throw to Shane Waldron. It was actually sweet. Shane came back to that call. We ran that call on uh, the first third down, first drive. And uh, we didn't use the element of one-on-one -on -one go ball to Jax on that. We had man that first time, but my plan going into it was we're going to work the concept side first. First third down, I get this call. And uh, I'm breaking the huddle. Shane gives me the little 
little reminder in the head to hey, don't forget Jack's one on one if you got him. Like, All right, break the huddle. Jack's run out. Hey, you're getting the ball. <laughs> you're getting the ball if you get one on one here. Because we had already played that front side, you know, who knows how they were really going to play that concept if they'd kind of seen and felt the same thing earlier in the game. And uh, sure enough, they gave us one on one. Kind of the perfect look. We had an off corner. Jack's kind of tempoed it off the ball and he hit the Jets and put that thing in the back corner. Like with Geno Smith, it wasn't purely the scheme and play calling that set up Drew Locke for success. That was obviously a big part of it, but it was also the confidence in Locke and the trust between quarterback and coordinator that empowered them to beat the Philadelphia Eagles in prime time. Waldron has shown he can adapt his offense to different quarterbacks, arguably inferior quarterbacks. He helps them with that tempo, being in the headset and giving him that freedom at the line of scrimmage. Waldron gets creative. He's open-minded. He puts the players first. That's what the Chicago Bears want in their offensive coordinator. Now, Shane Waldron also has flaws. A Seahawks offense struggled far too often, especially in third downs and in the red zone. They abandoned the running game too much. There just wasn't enough consistency, especially in 2023. He's going to need to answer for those things, especially once he's formally introduced as the Chicago Bears offensive coordinator. But when he is, you're going to hear a lot of what you want to hear from your offensive coordinator. We need to make sure that the offense we see on the field this season matches what Shane Waldron says. Will he walk the walk in Chicago the way we'll hear him talk the talk? Because he's going to be in charge of either developing the number one overall pick in this draft to be the future of the Chicago Bears franchise, or he's going to be in charge of, of developing Justin Fields and trying to get the most out of a quarterback who we still feel like hasn't tapped into all of his potential yet. Not too dissimilar from Geno Smith in that way. The future of the face of the franchise, either way, is in Shane Waldron's hands. That's why this is the biggest move the Chicago Bears have made this offseason. And it's why I'm excited to hear what Shane Waldron's going to say whenever the Bears do formally introduce him now. It's been almost a month since they announced his hiring. Whenever we hear from Shane Waldron, you can be sure we'll break it all down for you right here on the Lockdown Bears podcast. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked on Bears your first listen today. Whether it's your first time tuning in or your thousandth time tuning in, we really appreciate you coming along with us for the ride. We're here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis, and we hope you'll keep making us your first listen every single day. That way you don't miss... Any breakdowns of anything coming out of Hallis Hall and going through this offseason, getting ready for free agency and the NFL draft. They're not always going to be this narrative style of podcast, usually a little bit more topical and hitting different topics, news of the day, opinion, back and forth analysis. But no matter what, no matter how we do the podcast, you can be sure that we're always going to leave you with another opportunity to bear down.